0: hello this is bailey and this is taylor welcome to two idiots one podcast and before we start today bailey i just want to talk about something okay what do you got i want to talk about gas prices i want to talk about how ridiculous that they've been recently i haven't had a car in about a month so i
1: don't know anything about that
0: oh i'm sorry i know a lot about that because i have to drive you around everywhere so for for those of you that are not in the state that we are in um, and gas prices might be higher for you, and if they are, I'm sorry, but ours it jumped up to four dollars and twenty nine cents. Like after Memorial Day, it just spiked from like four oh one, four oh two to four twenty nine.
1: Well, I mean, the reason that gas prices and stuff go up is so that people are more restricted. This is obviously comedy, and I don't actually know, but the reason gas prices go up is to make it to where people aren't allowed to like leave their general area. So they become more indoctrinated into the whatever culture is
0: currently prevalent in that area. Whatever the culture is? Yeah. So like, yeah, I mean, I don't even know what a good example that would be. So like, for example,
1: so you're driving your car, gas prices shoot up. Now you're stuck in an area that you've never been in before having to live in your car. So now you're going to become more indoctrinated into that culture. So like, Say you get stranded near a creek, you're going to become like a creek person. You're going to start like going out to the creek and casting your little like creek net and like playing in the creek water and just being a creek person because that's where your
0: car ran out of gas. So what you're telling me is when the zombie apocalypse happens, you're going to be the creek person? If that's where your car runs out of gas. So if it runs out on the highway, are you the highway man? Do you build a civilization and say, you shall not pass, like Gandalf?
1: Well, no. If, if you run out of gas on the highway, then you become the zombie kill of the week when Woody Harrelson rolls up
0: on you in his supermassive truck. Oh, you mean his, his Cadillac? Yeah. Because that was a really great scene in the film that we're going to be talking about today. What's that? Zombieland. Oh, shit. Zombie Zombieland. Zombieland.
1: So that was the 2009 film directed by Ruben Fleischer, starring Jesse Eisenberg and Woody Harrelson and Emma Stone and Abigail Breslin, right?
0: Man, you stole all my thunder. (laughs) I stole all of it. I don't even have anything to say. Yes. No, I mean, I was just verifying that's the Zombieland we're talking about yes that is the that is the zombie land we were talking about Are you trying to give me my thunder back is that what this is yeah okay yeah because i was i was gonna say all that and then i you you didn't say emma stone and abigail breslin and i was like that's it that's my thing
1: i paused so that you wouldn't think i was gonna say it and then immediately said it once i saw that you were primed to talk
0: Uh, yeah obviously like you you stole all of my thunder so all right that's it that's our podcast over bye bye no but in all seriousness what would you rate this so if I was gonna raise it, rate it on a scale from one, I'm gonna to f- raise it, I'm gonna raise the roof.
1: If well, if I was gonna raise it, it would be a thirteen year old right now because it's twenty twenty two. But now, if I was gonna rate it on a scale from one to five, I would probably give it a three point five. And the main reasoning for that is, which I've noticed, I give a lot of things like three point fives. Yeah, you do. But so the reason I would give this one specifically a three point five is I thought it was really funny. Like I wouldn't qualify. This as a horror movie. But as more of like a... A like comedy. A, yeah, like a like a zombie comedy. Kind of like Shaun of the Dead. Yeah. Like a Zomcom.
0: Okay, so... Or
1: Warm Bodies.
0: No. Yeah, it's a Zomcom. Warm Bodies. Uh, never mind. That's, different. That's a different discussion. That's okay. Yeah. I don't know why you brought that up. Because they're both Zomcoms. I mean, no.
1: I'm going to get that TM'd, bro. Okay, so 3.5. Yes. And the reason is, is because I thought it was very funny. I thought it was pretty unique for the time,
0: other than, you know, it
1: having a similar premise to Shaun of the Dead.
0: I mean, yeah. And I would almost argue that Shaun of the Dead is better, but... I mean, I'm not trying to do
1: like a comparison and contrast, but... I am. But I would say
0: that because
1: of this being after Shaun of the Dead, this would be a 3.5, whereas had it been prior to Shaun of the Dead, I would probably give it like a closer to a 4 or 4.5. Okay. But I thought it was solidly funny. I thought the runtime wasn't too bad. It was a little under an hour and a half. So like it doesn't take all day. And it's got enough detail for you to like like the characters, but not so much that you find flaws with them that annoy you.
0: So I, I do agree with you. I'm gonna give it. I'm gonna give it the same 3.5, maybe a four. Um, I think that it's funny, but I think that there are. I, I think it's a product of its time. I think there are a lot of things where if you didn't grow up in 2009, like that 2008-2009 era, um, or basically the early 2000s, there are things that you would not understand that are in this movie. And some of the, like, the funniest jokes in there are products of its era, which we'll get to. Well,
1: okay. So because you mentioned that, what specifically like, do you have in mind?
0: Well, well hold on. We can't. We got to give it. I'll, I'll get to it. Don't worry. Okay. I'm just excited. So Roger Ebert gave it a four.
1: That's. I mean, that's a pretty solid score because I'm pretty sure that a three is his recommended.
0: Yes. I think three is recommended, which in his on the roger ebert scale so if, if anybody hasn't like caught on to it yet roger ebert does a very weird scale where he goes zero to four on roger when you look it up he gave it three stars which you know we use our own scale so fuck roger ebert um and we just bump it up our four is his three same thing it's a recommended movie he thinks it's funny right in case nobody caught that yeah i i you know uh, what do you like about it actually before you do that tell me about it what's what zombie land about so
1: essentially what zombie land is about is jesse eisenberg who is called columbus in the in the movie is a nerdy hypochondriac who doesn't have like an excessive amount of friends it specifically mentions him playing world of warcraft which is fun because
0: it shows him playing world of warcraft too
1: Yes, but the reason it's fun is because there was a long period of my life where I spent a copious amount of time playing World of Warcraft, so it's relatable.
0: So you're Jesse Eisenberg?
1: Well, no, I'm not that cool, but. Oh, okay. But him playing World of Warcraft while talking about, like, not being super social is relatable. But, you know, nerdy hypochondriac, and because of that, when the zombie outbreak happens, he was already moderately secluded so that he wasn't affected by it. Right. And he decides that he's going to, you know, quest to get home. So he basically drafts up rules, which by the time the movie starts, he's narrating what has already happened. So by the time the movie starts, he already has these rules made up. I'm going to quit
0: asking you to do summaries, dear God. I'm sorry. I'm not I'm not good at summaries. What would you do your five-sentence summary for this? Okay, so from now on, I'm just not going to have you do it. We're going to do five-sentence five, five sentence summary. Okay. Destination names? Twinkies. Cadillac, because that, that's a big part. Uh, you got taken hostage by a 12-year-old. Yeah and
1: Pacific Playland. Okay, so all of that's fair, but I I am going to say one thing. You're making it sound like Woody Harrelson's story, and this was not titled Tallahassee and the Quest for Twinkies.
0: Okay, so it should have been, because that is, I would argue that that is the whole premise of this movie.
1: I mean, it's the it's the uh, premise that I cared about. Like, I was more concerned with whether or not Woody Harrelson got his Twinkie than if Columbus made it to his family that he mentions not really caring about or being close to. It. I mean,
0: yeah, I, I think there were other deeper elements to it, but sure, yeah, that's the one that I care <laughs> about more than anything. Is does he get his Twinkie? Yes. So you wanna you know break it down and tell tell everybody our favorite scenes, what we liked and didn't like? Sure. So I'm going to start with the opening scene because I really, I liked the opening scene.
1: I like the song that was playing during the opening scene. I thought it fit really well.
0: So uh, so the tone of this entire movie is set at the very beginning when you see the guy um, with his camera get attacked by the zombie and the zombie eats him and then looks in the camera and starts picking out like flesh in his teeth and then burps. That to me set the tone for the entire movie where you're like, okay, this is not a typical zombie movie. This is like Shaun of the Dead yeah and then so i just i really like that and then the opening montage with um, metallica's for whom the bell hole is playing in the background as a metalhead i appreciate that yeah but i thought that was perfect
1: so this is something that we um that i'm sure you you're aware of mm-hmm. but during the opening scene there are characters that are reoccurring later in that you can see more mm-hmm. additional like scenes
0: with when he's explaining his rules like you're talking about the uh, the bathroom yeah i'm
1: talking about the bathroom guy who was also the gas station engagement ring dude okay
0: yeah i did notice that one i thought it was kind of funny
1: yeah so i mean well so one interesting thing or the thing that i think is really cool about that is it shows that jesse eisenberg had was already traveling in the same like area that emma stone and abigail breslin's characters orlando and little rock respectively were had already been through
0: Okay, so does it ever explain their names because I never... I don't think it does. I'm pretty sure that when,
1: like, because they all meet at the, uh, like, the grocery store or... I wouldn't
0: necessarily say they meet there, but yes.
1: Well, I mean, is that not where
0: they first encounter each other? No, that's where they first get taken hostage.
1: Right, but aren't Little Rock and Orlando in there and, you know,
0: Jesse Eisenberg
1: and Woody Harrelson's character go in looking for Twinkies when they run into them and they're like, oh, you guys just happen to be in here too? And then Emma Stone's character's like, oh, my little sister's been zombified and I can't do anything about it because, you know, that would break my achy, breaky heart. Did you really just say achy, breaky heart? It's 2009 thousand nine. We're two 2009 right here. I mean, okay, continue. But so, you know, that happens. And that's when they trick Woody Harrelson and Jesse Eisenberg into giving them their weapon or giving them a weapon and then, you know, turn it on to them. I'm pretty sure that's when they meet, right?
0: I mean, if that's your definition of meeting, then yes.
1: Becoming someone's hostage is meeting them. If it's the first time you've met them, when they take you hostage? Like if someone comes into a bank to rob the bank and you've just met the bank robber, even though you're their hostage now.
0: Yes. I mean, okay,
1: I agree. I mean, maybe not the most effective terminology, but yeah.
0: Probably not the most, epic. it doesn't matter. It does not matter. But yeah, the opening monologue is great. Um, him explaining the rules are great. But I think the the next scene that I like, which honestly, the the first part of the movie, I think, has some of the best scenes um, and probably my second favorite scene of all time is the hostess truck with his goddamn snowballs. God damn snowballs. Well, I actually like them. It's not the taste. It's the consistency.
1: I, I just think Woody Harrelson's not a fan of coconut.
0: I mean, I'm not a fan of coconut, so like I understand that. I do think this movie has a lot of quotable moments like that, too. Well, so I know we're talking about scenes right now, but what's your favorite quote from this movie? I'm not going to say it because apparently I've been saying it wrong all these years. But you know which one it is, so I'll, I'll let you say it because I didn't realize until before we started recording that I was saying it wrong. So... Taylor's favorite quote from this movie is,
1: you're a peppy little spitfuck, aren't you? Whereas Taylor's brain
0: has always interpreted it as, you're a preppy little spitfuck, aren't you? Yes, I have been saying you're a preppy little spitfuck, aren't you, for, oh, probably since 2009 when this movie came out. About 13 years I have said that line wrong and nobody has said anything about it until you're like, that's not the the words. So thank you for educating me it's peppy not preppy okay but you can see how i got those two
1: oh no dude it's i yes i do the same thing all the time i literally do the same thing all the time
0: i just i don't know it was 2009 it was a different time back then
1: well i've noticed that it's the same with like song lyrics and this is a tangent but we're gonna come back real quick i promise i've noticed it's the same thing with like song lyrics and other movie quotes the younger you are the easier it is to misinterpret what it is because your vocabulary is not as large. So you probably, in 2009, you were what, like 12? Yeah, I was 12. So you probably didn't know Pepe, like Pepe,
0: like like Pep Up? No, I did because I used to watch Boomerang, the Boomerang Network, so Pepe Le Pew. Had
1: you recently played
0: Bully, where preps are one of the enemy groups? No, I actually didn't play bowling until I was an adult, which is ironic because I played GTA as a kid.
1: Man, it sounds like you might just be stupid <laughs> as fuck. I was trying to give you a, I was trying to toss you like a rope or a way out and you were just like herpaderp. Nope. I was just dumb as shit, which is okay. You can, I've, I'm dumb too. If that makes you feel any better.
0: I don't I yeah I'm sorry there (laughs) is no there is no recovering from that one you're right I'm fucking stupid anyway I don't
1: actually think that Taylor I was just I'm just being mean because I think it would be funny for our listeners I don't I think you're a beautiful soul and
0: this is how it is every day everybody's so mean to me I'm sorry sorry. it's okay I think I bring it on myself sometimes so I accept it but
1: my favorite quote from this movie is nut up or shut up that's your favorite rule quote rule no nut
0: up or shut up is a quote yeah, it's also a rule. Is it a rule? Yeah, it's a rule.
1: Which rule is it?
0: I don't remember, but it's a rule. Nut up or shut up. I don't
1: think it's a rule. I think it's just a quote.
0: Yeah, go ahead. Continue talking.
1: But so that's my favorite quote from it, because when this movie came out, I was like 13 or 14, and I for sure said that during like a majority of my early teenage years, whenever I was about to do something ignorant, like I would use that as like the prompting phrase. Like I guess nowadays it's like YOLO probably. Is it YOLO? Or is that past
0: that's past is not a thing anymore it's um
1: so nut up or shut up was my yolo and i don't know what the youngsters yolo is now
0: yeah i actually don't know
1: no i have no idea and then another scene that i really like
0: okay you're right it was not a rule i know i apologize i thought it was no
1: it's okay but a scene that i really liked um was actually the first scene when uh woody harrelson rolled up on jesse eisenberg their meetup yeah when they meet and the reason i like it is because jesse eisenberg like sees Woody Harrelson coming and is like, Oh, and he's like startled, so he like hides behind this car and then when Woody Harrelson stops his vehicle, his Cadillac Mm -hmm. and gets out, Jesse Eisenberg just lifts up like a little dirt bike looking thing and hides behind it like it's gonna do something. Right. And then immediately once he gets in the car, Woody Harrelson just looks at it and kicks it over. And that had me fucking rolling. And Immediately after that, when Jesse Eisenberg throws the uh, liquor out of the uh, cup out the
0: window. Uh, when he's supposed to be taking the shot. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Like that whole like interacting between Woody Harrelson and Jesse Eisenberg was really good. And I think that they're very good. Uh,
0: I think they're a very good duo. Yes, I think so too. Um, I, th- I, thought they, I thought the chemistry between Tallahassee and Columbus was really good. I think they both played their characters extremely well. And you could tell that... Woody Harrelson's character really did not like Tallahassee didn't like Columbus in the beginning at all
1: and then really liked him
0: at the end yes you can you can watch the growth where he's like okay maybe he's not that bad but that's kind of like for everybody
1: well that's one thing that this movie does really well especially for it being like you know perceivably a shallow comedy is there was legitimate character development in all of or all four of the major characters yes And a lot of movies don't really do that. It's more of just like a narrative showing you a slice of time to entertain you. But this is like, this is the same, but there's actual character growth and like deeper elements, which I thought were cool.
0: Well, and I would even argue that that's like
1: zombie movies, though. Well, yeah, a lot of zombie movies are commentary on society because general citizens could be perceived as zombies.
0: Which, hard fact, they did not actually so they started out that way because of george a romero's not living dead but he never meant for it to be a political commentary on race at all well i mean i don't think they're all necessarily about race well no like like a like so when he made that movie it was perceived as a like a political commentary on race because he cast a black dude as the main actor and everybody else was white right and when you watch that movie it is the main character is the smartest person out of everybody because he knows like how to survive right so it is essentially a man taking care of a bunch of stupid people because that's essentially what it is and the moon then you know i'm not gonna ruin the ending because that really took me by surprise um but the whole thing everybody was like oh yeah it's a racial commentary and he was like no no it's not
1: that's uh Uh, so what you're saying is the critics and the people were reading into it
0: the same way our english teachers read into why chairs were blue growing up or why curtains were blue growing up yes yeah they read into it and looked into it too much and he was like no yeah he was just the best actor to pick for this scene or for this movie right he was like it had nothing to do with him being black i don't care he played the character the best that's why he got the role like simple and easy as that but yeah the critics looked at it and said oh this is what this movie's about which i mean i can see it but i think that that set the tone for zombie movies
1: yeah it really like it made it to where instead of them just being like fun movies they on average became more like political commentary or
0: social commentary or well yeah i mean dawn of the dead is social commentary like every george romero film from that point was a social commentary and it wasn't meant to be that way yeah exactly
1: there weren't a lot of specific scenes there's another scene that i want to mention but i know that you said that you wanted to mention it as well and i already saw your thunder once
0: oh were you talking about how they never say their names except for one time in the very end Um, because even when jesse eisenberg has his flashback of his hot neighbor, he calls her 406 because he lives in 408, which, I mean, obviously everybody knows those because it's floating around the internet, but that zombie was Amber Heard. That is not the scene that I was talking about. Yeah, I know, but I'm going <laughs> to let you steal my thunder again. I'm trying to go in order because I know what scene you're talking about. I'm just... No, I, I don't. I, I want you to have a it. No, it's okay. We're going in order. Um, I will go on a tangent, though, and I will say that my problem with this, being an avid lover of horror and zombie movies amber heard was a awful zombie a lot of these zombies were pretty awful because there were multiple multiple instances where she should have bit him right i mean she jumped on his back instead of just going for the neck like come on
1: well i mean that's not necessarily her being a bad zombie that could just be like the direction that the director wanted it to go
0: i mean i think that she was a terrible zombie right but are you player hating because you're a hater no, I just, I looked at that, and I was like, there were ample opportunities for you to do your one job, which was eat people, and you failed at that. Like, most of the zombies, if not all of the zombies in this movie, have ample opportunities. Like, I mean, I'll, I'll fast forward real quick to the, um, uh, what is it, when they're on the the ride at the end of the movie in pacific playland
1: oh the uh, gravity drop thing
0: yeah when they're on that one and they're up at the top and the zombies are climbing up there is an instance where one of the zombies could have very easily grabbed onto her and like bit her leg right but it didn't happen why why did it not happen
1: well i mean i'm pretty sure it's for narrative reasons
0: oh so you're telling me that my old friend the plot yeah okay yeah i think it's
1: i think it's for plot development <laughs> reasons why the zombies somehow managed to fail
0: so, okay, what, what scene do you want to talk about? No, I'm gonna I'm, st- I'm still going to let you talk about it. No, go ahead. You can talk about it. It's okay.
1: It is 100% all yours.
0: No, the next episode is mine, and there'll be a lot that I talk about in that one. So So my
1: favorite rule in this is probably
0: rule number three. And which one is that? Refresh my memory.
1: Uh, rule number three is beware of bathrooms. Oh. And the reason it's one of my favorite rules is because it kind of reflects how I feel in real life.
0: I mean, I feel that way too. Especially, I I don't know that that could be that could be a Taylor talk. Do you poop at home or do you poop in public restrooms?
1: Well, I mean, I mean, it kind of reminds me of one of our earlier episode intros when we were talking about how far is too far in regards to diarrhea.
0: Oh, I see what you're saying. No, never mind. I completely fucked that up. I'm sorry. Continue. <laughs> <laughs> could have been could have been comedic gold. Never mind. Go ahead. But were there any other scenes you want to talk about? Well, I thought you were going to talk. Are you really going to make me do this? Si, senor. Okay. So the thing that you're going to make me do is talk about this scene. Yes. Because you don't want me to steal. You don't want to steal my thunder anymore? Exactly. Okay. So I have... What do you have it in your notes as? I have it as Woody Harrelson's, you know,
1: his murder spree.
0: Okay. So mine's called Tallahassee's Last Stand. So everything about this whole scene the first of all the music which i can't remember what the name of it was because it it plays it in the or it says the name in the credits yeah um i really just liked that i don't know why but the the music and tallahassee running around with you know his vest on with all of his guns and ammunition and his air horn saying uh, who wants a piece and come and get me and giving columbus the opportunity to go save little rock and orlando who are Stuck atop the gravity drop or whatever. I call it a gravity drop. I don't know what it's actually called. I mean, it's it's something I'll never ride. Let me put it that way. The You've r- never ridden one? I won't. No. I'm terrified of heights. So I have a fear of falling. Um, So I can't do anything like the slingshot one that you do where you like bunchy into the air. I can't do that because of the falling down thing just scares me. No, I didn't realize my co-host was a coward. Yes, I'm a gigantic coward when it comes to heights and falling. No, I feel that. That's okay. I'm just being mean. Oh, I know you are. But he locks himself in a, uh, in like a prize booth shack thing in the middle. Like it's the only one there, and he, you know, puts the cages up and then just becomes the complete and total badass that we all knew Tallahassee was, but we never really wanted to admit it.
1: He, uh, he embodies vengeance. He's basically like Batman if Batman was willing to kill people and people were zombies.
0: So he's the Punisher. Yeah, basically. Okay.
1: But for zombies. Oh, not people? Yeah, exactly.
0: Yeah, no, I think... I I, th- I like that scene a lot. I liked everything about that scene.
1: Well, I mean, the thing is, it just, like, solidifies Woody Harrelson as, like, a stone-cold, badass zombie slayer. Yeah. Which we already knew he was. Like, Jesse Eisenberg talks about it a lot, how... He's like, the zombie kill
0: of the week. Well, I mean, his introduction was, you know, uh, Tallahassee was in the business before it even got started of being a badass. And then you see him walk in with dual-wielding chainsaws and business is booming. Exactly. And so you, you knew... Right.
1: So the whole movie, like, for me personally, especially the first time watching it, not so much this time because it's like my tenth rewatch. Right. But the first time watching it the whole time I was just anticipating when they were gonna like release Woody Harrelson Unbridled and Reckless, where he's just like allowed to roll in and do whatever the fuck he wants. And that's it. Exactly. And it's it's beautiful, it's done super well, it's really fun. And then he gets his Twinkie, which makes me super happy.
0: He does get his Twinkie. And I would like to say um, that one thing we forgot to mention is that all the slow motion parts were directed by Zack Snyder. Were they? No. I just attribute every slow motion to Zack Snyder, though. Well, so fun fact
1: that I'm totally making up right now. Did you know that every Zack Snyder movie would be 60% shorter if he wasn't allowed to use slow motion?
0: I mean, it would also be 60% shittier. I mean, maybe. There are some really cool slow motion shots in Watchmen that I will defend until the day I die.
1: Oh, I mean, when during Watchmen it wasn't overdone. I'm talking like specifically Zack Snyder's Justice League director's cut that's like four hours long, and it's like two and a half hours of slow motion.
0: Okay, well, you don't know. That's not the... No, you don't like the Justice League. That's why. No, I do like the Justice League. No, you don't, because if you liked the Justice League, you would go, this is the greatest superhero movie ever made because you know that the Justice League... Would fuck up the Avengers.
1: So I prefer DC to Marvel. I do too. Nine times out of ten, except when we're talking about the Punisher. However, everyone knows that the Justice League is like super easily dispatched by Batman.
0: We will. This is gonna be okay. We'll get into this. Yeah, later. we can't talk. We about can't this talk here. about this now. We will get. Oh, you done did piss me off. We'll throw hands, bro. I don't care. We'll throw hands after this. All right, and we'll record it. <laughs> but yeah, I really, I really liked that scene. One thing I also really wanted to talk about, if you're okay with it, is everything with Bill Murray.
1: Dude, so I was I was waiting to see who would mention him first.
0: But yes, I would love for you to talk about Bill Murray. No, I want you to talk about it. Because there's, there's a couple of specific things that I want to talk about with it. But go ahead, because I think everything, like that whole, whole scene, even when they're rolling up and he goes, the BM does not stand for Bob Marley. I thought that was funny. It definitely was. But I'm also surprised that it didn't stand for
1: bow movement. That wasn't funny.
0: No, and it wasn't funny. That That's why I remained silent. Oh. <laughs> I'm leaving that in. No,
1: I mean, as, as one should. But, no, so uh, one thing that I want to talk about specifically with Bill Murray is how silly his death was. Because everyone at this point, you've already seen the movie, I would imagine, you already know Bill Murray dies.
0: And he oh. dies in, like, the funniest way possible. No, he dies in the saddest way possible. No, it's the funniest way possible. Like,
1: no, it's sad because it makes him seem stupid. It makes him seem dumb as fuck because like how are you gonna dress up as a zombie during a zombie apocalypse and try to scare people that you know have guns while dressed as a zombie like I recognize that it's a practical joke I recognize that it was supposed to be funny and it was funny but if you if you uh, separate yourself from your suspended disbelief like that situation was like so silly for him to be in that I'm not saying he got what he deserved but during a zombie apocalypse if you dress up like a zombie And then try to scare people by acting like a zombie and then get shot like you would shoot a zombie. I don't know if you can be like, oh, fuck me,
0: which he wasn't. He was cool about
1: it. But still, it's just it makes me so sad that he died the way he did, because I feel like they could have played it off better and had him get eaten by like zombies or something.
0: No, because Jesse Eisenberg shouldn't have had a gun to begin with. Nobody else had guns. Everyone has guns. Okay, but nobody else had guns.
1: Woody Harrelson, like literally, like two scenes before that, was teaching Abigail Breslin how to shoot by holding her breath while she was firing. Or I'm sorry, Bree exhaling slowly while squeezing the trigger.
0: So why didn't she have a gun? She did. Why did? Uh, why did Orlando? Or is it was Little Rock. I forget which one's which.
1: Little Rock is the child. Orlando is Emma Stone.
0: Okay, that's what I thought. Why did Orlando? Why came with a club a golf club why didn't she shoot him plot reasons no because it would have been the exact same thing plot reasons if you suspend your disbelief of the plot (laughs) it doesn't make sense for her to go at him with a golf club
1: right i mean no i don't necessarily disagree i'm just saying it made me sad when he died because i feel like i feel like we could have gotten a really really good scene like the only time throughout the whole movie where they tried to actually scare you where bill murray just gets ripped the fuck apart by zombies i think that would have been great
0: No, no, because his death was so hilarious. Like everything about that death was just utterly funny. Like when he was like Are you dead? No. Not yet. Like in the XLs, that was funny. No, I mean I recognize that it's funny.
1: I'm just saying that like I feel like it I feel like it wasn't as good as it could have been. I feel like they made poor plot choices
0: not with that i don't think that was a poor plot choice at all i will disagree with you on that one yeah and i welcome disagreement i do too that's what makes this podcast interesting
1: but what else about bill murray because there are other things that i have to say that i thought were fun but i don't want to take all of them because i've only got like a couple or one more no go ahead no you no you i want you to do it so another thing that i really liked about bill murray is how like chill he was when he showed up because like if I was to, like, come into my house, even during a zombie apocalypse, and there were people hanging out in it, I would immediately probably, like, become hostile. So the fact that he was, like, playing with, like, Woody Harrelson when he rolled up on him instead of, like, being hostile, I thought was cool.
0: Yes, I agree with that. Now, one thing I do want to talk about is um, the probably one of the funniest scenes in the entire thing. And this is, so do you remember when I said at the beginning that it was a product of its time?
1: yes oh you can hear that we're gonna to have to edit that out i took the lid off my water bottle and it was slightly too loud i apologize
0: anyway do you remember you remember that when i talked about that because here's what i'm talking about it being a product of its time
1: is it the fat shaming that occurs during rule number one
0: and throughout the movie there is that but the one that i was specifically referring to is when they're having that car the car scene where they're all in the car talking
1: i don't know what specifically you're talking about off the top off
0: my head where they switch for who's driving oh Okay, because there is a very, very funny part in there where Abigail Breslin talks to Woody Harrelson about Hannah Montana. Right. And I feel like if you weren't around at that time, and that was all ad-libbed, you know, hard fact is when they put them in there, they didn't give them a script. So that scene was completely ad-libbed by Abigail Breslin and Woody Harrelson.
1: Just her explaining who Hannah Montana is and the fact that she's only famous when she's Hannah Montana.
0: Yeah, and I think that that's like one of the funniest scenes in the entire movie. I had no idea that that wasn't uh, scripted. No, all the car, like that whole thing where they're doing the the montage of the car. Um, the reason that they did that was because they just set them in the car and said, "Talk about whatever." So everything that they do in that in that scene is completely ad lib. Like I said,
1: I I know we talked about this last week, but I still feel like that's how they got a lot of the shots in Hell House.
0: Yes, which I mean that was also like Blair Witch, but that's not the point. Yeah,
1: Tot- totally
0: irrelevant. But... totally relevant, but that's my hard fact for that one. Well, that's pretty cool. I was unaware of that. Yeah, they, they explained that in an interview. Another thing that they explained in an interview that I thought was interesting was, um, so you talked about how Woody Harrelson taught Abigail Broslin to shoot? Yeah. yeah. Um, well, apparently beforehand, they taught all of the actors that were involved in this how to actually shoot guns, so that way they wouldn't look like idiots.
1: Well, so see, that's something that's super cool about uh, John Wick, because Keanu Reeves got trained really well before
0: he did that. I mean, Keanu Reeves in that one is just amazing, but... That's another hard fact right there, coming at you live. I can't wait to review all the John Wick movies. At one time? At one time. Do a super episode? We'll do a super episode and go through a scene by scene. I don't want to do that. No, oh, I do, because I love the John Wick movies.
1: All right, and do you have anything else about this movie you specifically want to talk about?
0: Um, I have some, some bitching. Okay, I, I like your
1: bitching. Hit me with it.
0: Okay, so when they do Pacific Playland, I just want you to know that she, like, barely taps that gate and that lock breaks off way too easy. Like, that lock should not have just <laughs> and broke like that. She barely taps so She gave it a love tap.
1: So another thing about that is whenever they flip the switch and sort of some of the rides start automatically, mm-hmm. I'm pretty confident that that's not how they work and that all rides are, like, individually operated.
0: I mean, I'm pretty confident, too. I was going to steal my thunder. It's okay. Oh, I'm sorry. No, no, that one I don't really care about. But yes, I think that that was too. And I also don't understand why there was so much noise. Like, okay, so there was going to be a lot of noise, right? Right. Why on earth would you flip that on and go, Ooh, bright lights. I'm going to ride the rides and make a lot of fucking noise. Well, so I don't
1: actually know, but my assumption would be they thought that if you're having enough fun and zombie proof
0: oh like that lock because the lock kept the zombies out right yeah but then they gave it a little left tap and it just shattered into a million pieces yeah i think the zombies can't climb fences
1: i mean there were were
0: there zombies inside beforehand no they all came from outside yeah so yeah zombies
1: can't climb fences all they had to do was close the gate
0: yeah they didn't close the gate and they're like oh look at what we're gonna do we're just like that i mean i understand that it's you know, what they wanted to do and the reason that they did it was because uh, Orlando wanted Little Rock to experience childhood because she hasn't in a while. Like, I understand, but it's pretty fucking stupid. I mean, I, I agree. Yeah, from like a zombie survival standpoint, that's incredibly dumb. I think that a lot of the rules are good. I think a lot of the rules are actually good for just like real life in general.
1: For example, cardio is something that you should probably ought to work on. Double tap, something you probably
0: ought to work on. Well, what's a double tap?
1: Well, so double tapping can be a lot of things. In this instance, it's, you know, shooting a zombie twice to ensure that it's dead. Uh But double tapping could be, you know, double checking your lock to make sure that your, your doors are locked before you go to bed at night. And then another rule that I think is good for real life is beware of bathrooms. It's something that I practice.
0: I mean, do you trust a Walmart bathroom? I don't trust bathrooms in general. Have I ever told you the story of like why I don't trust public bathrooms? No, I don't believe so. Okay, so I was a kid, right? And I will never forget this has been ingrained into my brain. Ingrained in the membrane. If you are not a fan of... Ingrained in the brain. If you are not a fan of fecal matter, stop listening now because I do get into detail. All right,
1: I'll see you in five. Uh,
0: But basically, I really had to go to the bathroom, and I will never forget, we were at Walmart. It was me, my sister, and my dad, right? And I had just bought this deal or no deal game. It's not relevant, but it's something that I remember. And I was like, oh, man, I really have to go, and I was going to hold it, but, you know, it has to happen, right? So I get into this bathroom, and it only has three stalls, like most Walmarts do, right? The first stall had somebody in it. The second stall had something inside of it. I don't know what. It was like covered in shit. Was it like a like a like a bathroom toilet
1: maybe like in some horror movies? Yes. Oh boy.
0: And the only thing that was left was the handicap stall. And I was like, "Well, I don't really want to take this cuz, you know, somebody that's in like a wheelchair could probably use it better than I could because it has railings and stuff, right?" Right. But I walked in there. And I was like, I just like I can't do the other one. There's like poop everywhere. This one had crusted poop on the handles, like the like someone had wiped their ass with their hand and then grabbed the railing to get up. So and it was on the toilet too, but I was like, I'm going to shit myself. So I literally hovered over like I did not touch that toilet seat. I squatted over it and took the quickest shit of my life and you know, got out of there. I was like, no. And ever since then, because that just that image of, of the crusty poop has been ingrained in my brain where I will, I have a really tough time using public bathrooms now because of that. Because I think when that happened, I was like 11. So, yeah, that's why I don't use public bathrooms. So I agree with that rule in real life. You should always be aware of public bathrooms. Wholeheartedly agree. Well, what other rules are on there?
1: And so another rule that I think is important for a lot real life is actually number four, which is seatbelts. Yes. And it's not just because, you know, the law says you should wear them. It's generally they're protective other than when they decapitate you. But I don't think that happens anymore.
0: I don't think so either. I think you're more likely to get decapitated by being thrown from the vehicle. But So uh... another rule that I think is important for your life
1: is uh, when in doubt, know your way out. Always. So- so th- I think that this is important in a physical sense of knowing your exits, but I also think this is important in a in like a, a m- emotional or metaphysical sense.
0: Like if you're in a relationship and it's not going well, you should know when to exit it. Exactly, or you know
1: when you're working at a job and your employers are taking advantage of your good nature. Like I think I think it's just you know I think it's just a solid thing all the time. And then another one that I think is important is uh, Enjoy the Little Things.
0: I think that one's very important.
1: But, like, the other one's, like, you know, limber up, travel light, don't be a hero slash be a hero.
0: Okay, so let me de- let me defend the limber up and the travel lightway. So limber up because I got really bad shin splints when I started running because I did not limber up. No, you
1: got really bad shin splints when you started running is because you were inactive for too long and then decided to jump right into it.
0: Yeah, I didn't limber up. You're right. Um, and then <laughs> traveling yeah, it had nothing to do with me just jumping into things. Um, and then the second thing is traveling lightly I wholeheartedly believe that because I don't think that you should pack a bunch of shit if you're going on vacation like people pack a lot of like if you ever have you ever looked at my bag when I travel I have it's like nothing.
1: So I'm actually of like a different mindset. Mm-hmm. I think anytime you go anywhere you should call at least one of your friends to drive a U-haul following you with all of your shit So if you're going to like for example you're going to like the Bahamas for a weekend or something. You have to get like an amphibious U-Haul so that your buddy can drive it behind the plane so that whenever you get to the Bahamas like three days later, all of your stuff can arrive too. So that way you can set up like, you know, your TV and your couch so you don't have to like use the furniture from the hotel because it could have bed bugs and it's public bathroom potentially because some people have weird sex and I'm rambling and I wish you would say something to stop me.
0: No, I'm enjoying this. Go ahead. Continue with your bed bugs and weird sex. No,
1: that's all I had. I, I was just trying to argue against traveling light, but I didn't have anything. So I started making stuff up.
0: Yeah, because you should always travel light. I mean, I mean that's fair. I was wrong. Yeah. If you get on a plane, your carry-on can't be over like a certain amount or whatever. Otherwise, they charge you because it's the, the weight or whatever. You know what I'm saying?
1: Yeah, that's why you threaten other people before you get on the plane to all the stuff in their pack like you're like hey empty your bag and put all this shit in it like that's how you get all your stuff on plane that's science
0: okay anyway <laughs> i will defend those but the other one i guess don't i don't know i can't really defend that one yeah yeah um oh one thing i do want to talk about before we move on to recommendations is the kill of the week okay i just thought that was funny the piano yeah with uh sister agatha yeah and all she like the zombies chasing her and she just pulls a cord and drops it. I thought that was funny. Oh, yeah. A zombie pancake.
1: That sounds delicious and nutritious.
0: I will say, when he's talking about the steamroller, and he goes, you ever roll a tube of toothpaste up from the bottom? Yeah, of course. I've always do. Zombie's head was a cap. (laughs) I thought that one was good. Yeah. And then um what would you say would be the zombie kill of the week that we actually saw in the movie that the four of them performed let me so
1: it's really hard to say because there were some really good ones
0: and because you asked me now and i didn't already
1: have one prepared i suddenly can't remember if i've ever even seen this movie which i know i've seen it at least like dead times so i really like the uh i really liked a lot of like woody harrelson's kills like in the truck like when he would like open the door and smack zombies with it
0: He didn't even he didn't kill him he just
1: right i would say that's probably my favorite because but this this sounds fucked up because when i drive down the road you know before back when i had a car oh you mean like a month ago yeah before my car was at the shop forever i'm pretty sure that that's the first movie i've ever seen them open a door and whack something with and now anytime like i'm driving down the road and i see like people on the side it always pops into my head oh 10 points if i open my door and whack them with it which I would never actually do
0: unless they were zombies. So if a zombie was walking
1: down the road, you just oh yeah, I for sure 100% would because ever since I've seen that, it's like it's like one of those urges I have deep inside.
0: I mean that's fair. I, I would say that my favorite kill is when um, Columbus is being chased through the haunted house and the animatronic snake dinosaur whatever it was comes out and like grabs the zombie and crushes him. I thought that was really good. That was definitely solid. I mean, you could even argue that the, uh, the clown one, clown kill, was pretty good. Yeah. So I, I would say that those are probably my favorite. But yeah, the whole zombie kill of the week thing, I just that was a great bit that they did, and I really appreciated that.
1: I feel like they should
0: have done it more, though. Yeah, I think that it was it was only done a couple times, but it should have been, it should have been done more. Exactly.
1: Like every scene, they have a conversation about, oh,
0: what was your favorite zombie kill of the week like six months ago? I don't think they need to do that much. I think that it would drag it out and wouldn't be as funny. But if every once in a while, you know, they killed a zombie and said zombie kill of the week," that would be, that'd be funny. That's fair. So, you gonna move on to recommendations.
1: Yeah. What do you got? So my recommendations, because this is what I would call, I would call this a horror comedy. Yes. So I would say Cooties because Cooties is, it has an Elijah Wood and Allison Pill in it. And it's about zombie children. And the zombie virus doesn't affect adults, and I thought that was a super fun movie. And it's also a horror comedy. And then Shaun of the Dead, of course, also a horror comedy about zombies. Of course. And then there are some others that I would say would probably be good, like uh, Tucker and Dale versus Evil. Horror comedy, totally different, like, lane of horror comedy, but still
0: horror comedy. So you mean, like, horror comedies in general? Yeah. So, like, Evil Dead 2. Yeah, you could argue that Evil Dead 2 is a zombie movie, but that's not the point. I would recommend for reading and also for viewing, um, Pet Cemetery. Pet
1: Cemetery would be good, although I think that Pet Cemetery is a little scarier than this. I mean, it is, but at the same time,
0: uh, it also deals with death of a child, much like how Woody Harrelson's character Tallahassee was dealing with the death of his child throughout the movie, Buck, which was not a dog, even though he claims it was. Yeah. Dude, I actually, like, I got a little teared up during
1: that when he was talking about it, and, like, during the scene where Jesse Eisenberg realized that it was
0: his son and not his doggo. He goes, oh my god, I've been such a bad friend. I never realized.
1: Yeah, I've seen it, like, ten times, and I still teared up a little yesterday when I was watching it, and I was like, oh, I didn't realize I was a
0: child. And that right there is the brilliance of this movie, is that it's funny, but he can have that. And then, um, so we'll go back a little bit. That scene is super serious. And then when he cries, he picks up $100 bills. to so
1: wipe away his tears. Yeah, that was funny.
0: And it immediately goes from being this super, super sad moment to straight comedy. Yeah, and it does a transition perfectly. So, yeah, I think for like recommendations, just any any zombie movie. Also, I wouldn't say any zombie movie. I would say any zombie movie.
1: No, so w- zombie movies I would not recommend
0: if you like this movie. Any zombie movie that's not funny.
1: Yeah, I wouldn't recommend like the sadness, which is a Mandarin or a zombie movie in Mandarin, which isn't funny, but it's also a lot more gruesome than this. Okay, I see what
0: you're saying. So yeah, anything that's like funny. Yeah, I probably wouldn't recommend like Train to Busan. Yeah,
1: no, no, wouldn't recommend that, although it's super solid.
0: That's okay, well, we'll talk
1: about it in the next one. Absolutely. And then for Bailey's Babble's today, which I'm pretty confident
0: is the only thing that we have left. Yes, well, we got that and then what we're going to be doing, but this is going to be a two-for episode, so. Two-for. Two-for. Two-for Wednesday. Anyway,
1: so for my Bailey's Babble today, so we've already listed a bunch of horror comedies, so it doesn't have to be off of that list, but out of all the horror comedies, what's your favorite?
0: Oh, 100% Army of Darkness. Like, no questions asked. Army of Darkness? Well, I mean, I'm just going to, I'm going to cheat and say Evil Dead. Okay, okay. Because Evil Dead 2 and Army of Darkness are kind of the same movie, so Evil Dead.
1: So, in your opinion, do spoof movies count as horror comedies? No. For example, okay, why?
0: No, because it's a, it's a satire. It's like, a, it's a, it's a, so spoof movies have their own category.
1: I would argue that Cabin in the Woods is satire.
0: Okay, so I, I misspoke. Satire is fine, but a spoof, like, scary movie has its own... That would be like saying Scream is a horror comedy because it's making fun of slasher movies.
1: It's Scream definitely has satire in it.
0: Right, but it's not a spoof. You So, what so you're would saying, you consider Scream a horror comedy? No. At all? No, not at all. Okay, what about it's a satirical slasher, but like so a horror comedy in my eyes is something that's like you know Tucker and Dale, um, Army of Darkness, Evil Dead Two, The Zombie Land, Zombie Land Two, stuff like that. Um, what you're referring to is a spoof movie, which is its own separate category where the intention is just to make fun of things like it does like scary movie is not a horror movie it is a spoof movie
1: no i mean i i i don't necessarily disagree so
0: but where is the
1: line drawn
0: like between horror
1: comedies and not horror comedies so what about like ducker and or ducker and tell ducker and tell no what about Tucker and dale makes it a horror comedy whereas scream isn't in comparison because they're both self-aware they're both satirical they both are meta it's the way they wrote it like like intentional like sus uh tension building and stuff
0: so scream is like a meta horror in like the first instance of it really and it is self-aware and does have some some funny moments whether they're intentional or not
1: well i mean it's got matthew lillard in it and i'm pretty sure he can't help but be funny
0: Right. So it it does have those scenes, but at the same time, also, when you look at, you know, Tucker and Dale, or you look at Evil Dead, for instance. Um, So the greatest example is take Evil Dead and Evil Dead 2, right? Basically the same movie. Just they wrote it completely different. Where you you could argue that Evil Dead is a comedy because it is so over the top and absurd, but it wasn't meant to be that way. Scream was not meant to be funny. Tucker and Dale was meant to be funny.
1: So I mean, I I agree with you.
0: I'm I'm trying to play devil's advocate, and that's why I'm having a hard time. But because I
1: do agree with you.
0: Well, I mean, if you if you don't agree with me, then please tell me why I'm wrong in the Facebook group. Yeah,
1: absolutely. Because I have met people who would argue that like all slashers are a horror comedy because I agree that a lot of slashers could fall into that. Especially post-scream slashers.
0: Okay, but that's but the reason that they're saying that is because they are looking. That's like saying an exploitation film is a comedy because it it, the absurdity of it and how low quality it is and like the you know piss poor acting and stuff like that, right? Because some of these slashers have you know deaths or whatever that are really low budgeted and look funny. That's why you could say, but you wouldn't go uh, Texas Chainsaw Massacre, the original one. You wouldn't go that that's a comedy.
1: Um, I might. Really? Yeah, okay, so hear me out on this.
0: If you if you say Franklin's over-the-top acting, and, like, that's your only reason, no. Yes. No, that's not. Because that's just, like, he was, either he's a really bad actor or he was told to do that. I don't know which one, but that movie's not funny, right? I mean, there are a lot of things that I think
1: are funny. Like, I think the whole, like, dinner scene, which I promise you guys we're not going to spoil Texas Chainsaw Massacre, but the dinner scene in it, is probably the most frightening scene in Texas Chainsaw Massacre.
0: Oh, I would disagree with you entirely on that. But it's
1: also probably the funniest scene in Texas Chainsaw Massacre.
0: No, the most disturbing scene is the hook. Like literally to this day, that's the only scene that I still watch and it makes me squirm a little bit. Like every time it gets me. So it would probably be more impactful
1: if it wasn't done in almost every single uh, Texas Chainsaw Massacre reboot, remake, sequel
0: Well so the reason I think it's impactful is because um, first of all it was a mess up like you know how they did it right? No. Okay so what they did was they had like a tube that was attached to her back and the hook would go through the tube right? Right and it was on like
1: a brace or something.
0: Yes but what happened was when he put her on there he didn't put her on correctly for that scene so when she like jolts down on it or whatever that is because he placed her wrong and then the tube kind of just fell with her body weight on it which added to the impact of the scene because you like you hear it and you visually you like you see it but you don't see it but in your mind you know exactly what happened like her weight gave out and it caused the hook to go deeper right and it was just it was a little mess up but it it made it so much more impactful oh yeah no I know exactly what you're talking about but I
1: always assume that it was like intentional.
0: No, that was not intentional the way they did that. He just set it on wrong. That's funny. But yeah, no, like a uh, – so to get back to the to the Bailey's Babbles, I think a, a horror comedy is wrote as a horror comedy.
1: So you think that it has to be intentional for it to be a horror comedy?
0: Yes, I think – I think that there are there are certain parameters. I mean, that's like saying, well, what's the difference between... um going to be a really bad example. Well, I mean,
1: it's subjective. Like, I recognize that it's a subjective question.
0: But I would argue that it's not a subjective question because there are clearly defined guidelines, right? Well, I mean,
1: yes, to an extent, but I don't think that there are, like, definitions just like for, like, ZOMCOM. Like, ZOMCOM is something that I literally... Just made up to have a label for movies like Zombieland and Shaun of the Dead. Zombie comedy.
0: Right, I mean, I guess you can do that, but... *Zomcom*. I'm looking at it like if you take... Oh, what would be a really good example. Um, if you took Fifty Shades of Grey, right? Okay. Is that a movie or is it a porno?
1: I mean, I think that's subjective. Why? Because some people who haven't been exposed to what I would consider to be pornography might see that and in their mind it registers pornography. And I've actually got a real world example of this. Okay. Have you ever
0: seen True Blood? Yes. So I was- Oh, so you're doing the
1: HBO. Okay, I get what you're saying. Well, no, so I was watching True Blood uh, when I was living at the winery Mm -hmm. in like the uh, living room of the winery. And we had customers come in when I was watching True Blood. Didn't think about it at all because to me, the sex scenes where you see like nudity and stuff in True Blood isn't pornographic. Doesn't, Doesn't arouse me. I don't see it as pornographic because, you know, for whatever reason. Right. So when the family came in, or I say family, there were no children, but when, you know, the two adults came in to sample wine, one of them looked back and saw that Drew Blood was on and saw titties on the screen and got offended and I was like, Whoa, I was like I was like, I don't understand what the issue is. They're like, You have porn on the T V and it was it's literally just a fundamental difference in perspective because from my perspective it's not pornographic, even though it's quote unquote sex scenes. Because of the amount of detail that's shown and, like, how much is into it, it's not porn. Whereas they saw it and they were immediately like,
0: this is porn. Right. I guess I guess my thing is, like, when you look at these clearly defined labels and lines, you, you look at... You look at something like True Blood, and I guess I, I guess in that instance, yes, you you could see it like that. But I look at it as there is no actual sex that is being performed on camera, therefore it is not porn. Right. Like that's like a porno is two people having a sexual intercourse on camera, right? I mean that's fair. And this is not what's happening.
1: So because it's simulated sex, you would argue that it can't be pornographic.
0: Yes, 100%. It's simu- It's a simulated sex scene. It's like that's all that it is. It's not pornographic. It is a. It is an art scene. It is it, that would be like saying the um the nude paintings of people and the nude like paintings of anybody in that position or whatever that is porn. Some people view that as pornographic. Okay, so see, I don't
1: like Michael. The statue of Michael. Some people view that as pornographic.
0: Okay, so see, that's something that I don't understand. That's like so people view Playboy as pornographic. I don't. I don't see. I don't see that. I think that it has like nude women in it, but what's what's the difference between that and like the statue of Michael um, and stuff like that, right? Right. Like they're not in. It's it's not like um, like hustler, hustler. I would or say pen, those. I would say definitely porn because it's women um, in sexual situations, positions, and stuff, right? But you don't get that in Playboy. I would say that Playboy is more art than it is porn, which may be a controversial opinion, but
1: no, I mean no, that's fair. And I'm about it because everything like that is subjective. That's actually the reason I asked this question. Mm -hmm. Because I feel like especially like the, uh, I want to say contrast because we're doing like a twofer. Yeah. So the contrast in like perspective of
0: what is horror, what is a horror comedy
1: is important, especially going into our next movie.
0: Right. And I think that's why we did this. No, it is. Because of this. But I don't know. I mean, I guess I'm kind of a person that's very black or white. Right. Um, I don't really understand gray areas all that well. So because of that, I look at um, nude beaches. I don't consider that to be like anything sexual. I don't consider. I don't
1: think it's supposed to be sexual.
0: But some people would argue with you, right? And say, well, that's like a sexual place. That's a breeding ground. Oh, I know. Well,
1: I mean, that just shows like, which I'm not going to get super into it because I don't want this to become political. Mm Mm-hmm. But it's literally just, like, intentional media repression. And the reason I say that is because if you go to, like, other countries and stuff, the violence and stuff that we show in, like, rated PG-13 movies is drastically higher than PG-13 movies in Europe. Or the equivalent of, because in Europe, nudity isn't seen as, you know, super, like, atrocious like it is here. Like, here, if something's PG-13, chances of nudity super low, chances of violence pretty high.
0: Okay, so I'll, I'll cut you off and say... Your example of it is let the right one in and let me in. That is perfect. That is, if you were talking about movies, one's a European, one is an American. What is the main difference in that one? There is a scene in the, in the European one, is it Swedish? I believe so. Of um, the main girl whose name I can't remember off the top of my head, Um where she is technically, technically a child, but is not because she's supposed to be older, Um, but she's basically nude. Right. And that scene is not at all in the American version. So that's just like cultural perspective on Mm -hmm. nudity exactly so i think i don't think it's like a political thing i think it's like a cultural thing because there are tons of and i've never been to europe but if you go to europe there's like nude beaches everywhere
1: like i said i wasn't i may have said political i'm not trying to be political i'm just saying like government cultural is probably a better word than political
0: yeah it's just well i mean it's like um it's definitely a cultural thing because some things that we find odd in other cultures are completely normal like the um Arranged marriages Arranged marriages we look at that and go no that's that's wrong that's super bad and in
1: some places that's commonplace
0: right uh okay dipping dipping your fries in mayonnaise i
1: mean i think dipping
0: your fries in mayonnaise is gross right but if you go to another country where they do that it's still gross i mean they don't view it as that but if you view it as gross then yes no matter where you go in the world you will but yeah i think it's like it's just a cultural perspective like um when you look at Europe and how their forms of travel are basically no cars.
1: Yeah, mostly public transportation.
0: You, It's like you use the trains, you walk, or you ride around on a moped or like a bike or whatever, right? Right. And then you get to America, which I think part of that is probably because most of those countries are so condensed together that you can just take the train. Where in the United States, we have huge open areas that connect state to state. So it would be a little bit harder to have a train system. Um, but again, I think that's all like cultural. So absolutely. But yeah, it's all a contrast. So.
1: And do you have anything else for today?
0: No, I don't. I'm ready. Ready for our next one. So what are we doing for our next uh, episode? So
1: for our next episode of this for is going to be 28 Days Later, which is a zombie movie as well, but it's on a different...
0: I, I would say it's on the opposite end of the spectrum. Like you have a fun, not that intense... Mostly lighthearted. Yeah, it's a lighthearted zombie movie if you get like Shaun of the Dead or Zombieland and then you have 28 Days Later. But we'll get into that one with our next episode. And this has been Two Idiots, One Podcast. I'm Taylor. And I'm Bailey. Bang. Bye.